Hello, and welcome to this week's sermon podcast from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Here we preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Whether you find the message to be uplifting or challenging, comforting or even unsettling, we hope it'll help you grow in faith and your relationship with God. Thank you for listening. To God be the glory. Good morning. A reading from Isaiah chapter 35. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong and do not fear, for your God is coming to destroy your enemies. He is coming to save you. And when he comes, he will open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf. The lame will leap like a deer, and those who cannot speak will sing for joy. Springs will gush forth in the wilderness, and streams will water the wasteland. The parched ground will become a pool, and springs of water will satisfy the thirsty land. Here ends the reading. We will read Psalm 146 responsively. Praise the Lord. Let all that I am praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God with my dying breath. Don't put your confidence in powerful people. There is no help for you there. When they breathe their last, they return to the earth, and all their plans die with them. But joyful are those who have the God of Israel as their helper, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He made heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. He keeps every promise forever. He gives justice to the oppressed and food to the hungry. The Lord frees the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are weighted down. The Lord loves the godly. The Lord protects the foreigners among us. He cares for the orphans and widows, but he frustrates the plans of the wicked. The Lord will reign forever. He will be your God, O Jerusalem, throughout the generations. Praise the Lord. A reading from James, chapter 2. My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? For example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can stand over there or else sit on the floor, well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose noble name you bear? Yes, indeed, it is good when you obey the royal law as found in the scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin you are guilty of breaking the law. For the person who keeps all of the laws except one is as guilty as a person who has broken all of God's laws. For the same God who said, 
you must not commit adultery, also said, you must not murder. So if you murder someone but do not commit adultery, you have still broken the law. So whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Here ends the reading. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. Our Holy Gospel this morning comes from Mark, the seventh chapter. Then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre. He didn't want anyone to know which house he was staying in, but he couldn't keep it a secret. Right away, a woman who had heard about him came and fell at his feet. Her little girl was possessed by an evil spirit, and she begged Jesus to cast out the demon from her daughter. Since she was a Gentile born in Syrian Phoenicia, Jesus told her, First, I should feed the children, my own family, the Jews. It isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. She replied, That's true, Lord. But even the dogs under the table are allowed to eat the scraps from the children's plates. Good answer, he said. Now go home, for the demon has left your daughter. And when she arrived home, she found her little girl lying quietly in bed, and the demon was gone. Jesus left Tyre and went up to Sidon before going back to the Sea of Galilee and the region of the Ten Towns. A deaf man with a speech impediment was brought to Jesus, and the people begged him to lay his hands on the man to heal him. Jesus led him away from the crowd so that they could be alone. He put his fingers into the man's ears, then spitting on his own fingers, he touched the man's tongue. Looking up to heaven, he sighed and said, Ephetha, which means be opened. Instantly, the man could hear perfectly, and his tongue was freed so that he could speak plainly. Jesus told the crowd not to tell anyone, but the more he told them not to, the more they spread the news. They were completely amazed and said again and again, everything he does is wonderful. He even makes the deaf to hear and gives speech to those who cannot speak. The Gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. Grace to you and peace from God, our Creator, Jesus, our Savior, and the Holy Spirit, who inspires us all. Amen. So every year, millions of Americans decide to try to get healthier, and they invest in themselves. So they plop down some hard-earned money to join a gym or maybe pay for an exercise class. Others decide to 
join, purchase a membership in a program designed to help them improve their diet and lose weight. And then a few weeks or months after making this investment, they make an awful discovery. It turns out that just purchasing the gym membership or paying for the weight loss class isn't enough to accomplish their healthy goals. There also needs to be a change in behavior. You see, if you don't actually go to the gym and exercise, the only person whose life is, is improving is that of the guy that owns the gym as you make your free will offering to him every single month. And if you don't follow the advice of the nutritionist, well, the only thing getting thinner is your wallet. Without a change in behavior, a membership means very little. In our second reading today, James seems to be saying that the same can be true of our faith. James is writing to people who are members of a faith community and who pro profess their faith in their words, but James is pointing out there seems to be very little change in their behavior. He points out that the behavior of this community of faith does not reflect the important spiritual teaching of love your neighbor as yourself. James has some challenging words as he says, what good is it, brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but do not have works? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, eat your fill, and yet you do not supply for their bodily needs, what good is that? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. Ouch. But maybe just claiming membership in a faith community isn't the end goal of our lives as followers of Jesus. Maybe the end goal is transformation. Maybe the end goal is changed behavior so that over time our lives begin to reflect more and more the life of Jesus. Now this is where the analogy of joining the gym or joining the weight loss program falls a little bit short because we all know that when we try to change this, it takes a lot of hard work and determination. If there's any transformation, it is uh, because of our own grit and perseverance. But our lives of faith are different. You see, we worship a living God who is in the business of transforming lives. We worship a living God who claims us with an unconditional love. And through that love, desires our transformation. You see, the fruit of God's love in our lives is our changed behavior in how we love our neighbor as ourselves. And one of the joys of being a part of this community is that then we join together, we combine forces, and we take God's transforming love out into the world with us. 
So this weekend and next, we join with our sisters and brothers all across the ELCA to participate in God's works, our hands. And our presiding bishop, Elizabeth Eaton, said this about our dedicated days of service. She said, God's work, our hands, gives us an opportunity to celebrate who we are as the ELCA, one church freed in Christ to love and serve our neighbor. Service activities offer an opportunity for us to explore one of the most basic convictions as Lutherans, that all of life in Jesus Christ, every act of service in every daily calling, in every corner of life, flows freely from a living, daring confidence in God's grace. I must say that sounds a little more inspiring than the words from James, that faith without works is dead. It's about grace. God's grace calls and invites us to lives of love and service. And listen, I am continually inspired to witness how you live out this calling from God in your own life, in our life together as a community of faith, and how you are bringing God's love into the world. And so today I want to share with you just one story, one story of people who put flesh on their faith to serve a neighbor in need. So it started a few months ago when church members Roger and Belinda Perna invited other folks from Good Shepherd to join them in wrangling weeds and honeysuckle from their neighbor's yard. Their neighbor Gwen is bound to a wheelchair, has been her whole life, and she didn't really have a way to manage the landscaping in this house that she's living in. And so Dick Morowski and members of the minor home repair team and other Others of you from Good Shepherd joined Roger and Belinda in taking care of Gwen's yard, and those folks have continued to do that now throughout the summer. But Roger and Belinda and the other volunteers didn't stop there. They noticed that Gwen's house also needed some attention, and so they tackled several projects inside, including pulling up carpeting and putting in, uh, getting new flooring put in. Gwen has a little dog that is the love of her life, and. She had no way to get out in her backyard to, to spend time in the yard and with her dog, and so Roger and Belinda found folks around the neighborhood who were able to build a wheelchair ramp so that Gwen can now get inside, in and out of her backyard to be with her dog. And <clears throat> Yesterday, a group of God's Work Our Hands volunteers were at the house, and they began uh, bringing stuff up and out of the basement, getting rid of it, cleaning out her basement. Well, the end result of this labor of love is that literally, literally, Gwen's living situation has been transformed. I mean, it has literally night and day. I mean, it is a whole new start for her and a whole new lease on life. God's work, our hands, this is what it means to be freed in Christ, to love and serve our neighbor. This is what living faith looks like. So earlier this week, we experienced the deep brokenness of our world 
and of our community with this shooting in Fountain Square, our hearts broke. And I suspect God's heart broke as well. You see, God's greatest desire is the transformation of our fallen world. And to bring about that transformation, God chose to love the world. And God's love was revealed when Jesus took nails in his hands so that we would be claimed by God and that we would know the power of God's forgiveness and healing. Nails in Jesus' hands so that our hands would be free to love those who are suffering. You see, it's a part of God's plan to transform the world, yes, and to bring that transformation through our hands. Doing God's work with our hands isn't limited to one day a year with a dedicated day of service. We have opportunity to do God's work with our hands every single day, wherever you are, wherever you work, as you bring God's transforming love out into your